Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I want to start by just um, highlighting an event that took place back in 1939 at the beginning of World War II. Uh, It was when the Nazis put out their propaganda to the British people that there would be air raids and that uh, England would be doomed. And to counteract this propaganda, the British government put out some posters. And on that poster, it read, Keep calm and carry on, which kind of looks something like that. Anyone seen that before? Keep calm and carry on. It was put in motion to actually settle the people. The enemy was saying some things to the British people and the British government stood up and counteracted the enemy's ploy with a message of peace, a message of calm. Say, hey, keep calm, take a chill pill, calm your farm and carry on. And it's inspired the title of my message this morning as we come to the end of this year and the beginning of a new year. See, I don't know what your year was like. Some of you may have had the best year of your life and that's fantastic. But some of you may have had a very mediocre year or possibly the worst year of your life and you are looking forward to 2015 like never before because you just want 2014 to go away. And whatever situation, whatever category you fit in this morning, I think I've got a word for each and every one of you. So if you're in the best place in your life, if you're in the worst place in your life, or you're somewhere in the middle, I think my message today is going to hope help to uh, inspire you, encourage you, and set your 2015 on the right tangent. And the title of my message is simply this, Keep Calm, the Best is Yet to Come. Keep Calm, the Best is Yet to Come to come. See, again, I don't know what your year was like, but fast, uh, 2014 is fast coming to an end and uh, there's nothing you can do about that. And when we get to the end of it, it is the end. You can't bring it back. But this I want you to know, the best is yet to come. If you've had a great year, I want you to know something. The best is yet to come. If you think it can't get any better than this, I'm here to tell you absolutely and categorically, it's going to get a whole lot better for you. It's going to be better in the future. And so I want to read John chapter 19 this morning. John chapter 19 verse 28 says, Later, knowing that all was now complete and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it on a sponge and put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he'd received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus hung upon the cross and the last words out of his mouth were, it is finished. And what I like about those three words is that He didn't say, I'm finished. Jesus didn't say, I'm finished. 
Jesus didn't hang on the cross and go, it's over. Jesus didn't hang on the cross and declare, I failed. Jesus declared that it is finished. What is it? It was the mission. It was the purpose for which He came to planet Earth. It is finished. In other words, Jesus was saying, you can't get rid of me that easily. See, something might be over, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's finished. You may have lost your marriage, but it doesn't mean your life is over. You might have lost your job, but it doesn't mean that your life is over. You might be in a financial crisis right now, but it doesn't mean that your life is over. The trouble is with all of these things, they can leave a bitter taste in our mouth. They can leave us with resentment and hurt and bitterness and pain and it can rule the rest of our lives and we can make decisions based upon past hurts instead of future glory. Keep calm, the best is yet to come. You see, when something is finished, it doesn't mean that it's the end. When Jesus said it is finished, He was put in a tomb. But on the third day, He rose again. That part of His life was finished, but His life wasn't over. There's a difference between something being finished and it being the end. See, after the end, there's always a new beginning. I remember not too long ago, when I had a hip operation, many of you would know that because I've talked about it openly, but uh, midway through this year, I had a hip replacement and uh, basically they knocked me out and they opened me up and they sawed this and they sawed that and they poked this and they prodded that and then they just put it all together and sewed me up. And for a little while there, I was a little bit, uh, you know, sore and it was a little bit uncomfortable and it was a little bit restricting. But it wasn't the end. In actual fact, it was a beginning of a whole new season for me. And sometimes life can feel like that. We can take some hits. We can feel some pain. And I would encourage you to keep calm. Your life's not over. The best is yet to come. And so Jesus was in his tomb, but he rose again because his life wasn't over. See, after every beginning, there is an end. And after every end, there is a beginning again. We see that with our night and day. In the morning, you see the sun come up. It's the beginning of a brand new day. And then the sun settles in the east and it's the end of a day. But the end of a day means the beginning of a new day. And I sense as we end this year and go into a new year, it can be the beginning of something new. It can be the beginning of something great. It can be the beginning of something significant for your life. Bible says that Jesus is the beginning and He is the end. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, it says, Behold, I am coming soon. 
My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, meaning the A and the Z, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I know sometimes when it's dark and you're in the middle of your night time, it's tough to see. It's tough to see a way out. The pain's so great. The hurt is so real. And it's hard to see a way forward. But the Bible says that we do not live by sight, but we are to live by faith. I love the story of two men, Paul and Silas, that were thrown into jail. And the Bible says that it was midnight. It was like the darkest hour. And there they are in jail, having been beaten black and blue. They were in stocks and in chains. But instead of complaining, instead of whinging, they start singing praises to God because it created a brand new beginning, a brand new opportunity to speak to people that they'd never seen before. It wasn't the end, it was just the beginning. And if you read the story in Acts chapter 16, you will see that the jailer and other people's lives were impacted and influenced with the gospel as a result of these men seeing this moment as a new beginning as opposed to the end of their ministry. How you see things is really, really important. We're very quiet this morning. Very quiet. Have you got hangovers? Have you been drinking? It's, it's like some of you are sitting there saying, I wish you'd be quiet, my head hurts. It's kind of like eerily quiet. Just push the person next to you. Wake them up. Slap them across the face. Do something. That'd be great. In love, of course. If you want to continue being quiet, I'll just be quiet on you. We'll just have a standoff. See, there's a big difference between the end of an era and the completion of a destiny. See, there was great sadness on the day that Jesus Christ was crucified. There were tears, there was mumbling, there was grumbling, there was betrayal. Judas was so overcome with, with, with remorse that he went and hung himself. People were just disappointed as they looked at Jesus Christ hanging upon the cross. And the reason is because they didn't understand. They didn't understand the best was yet to come. They just saw the moment. And what I would encourage you this morning with church is this thought, but then you're in the dark moment, when you're in the, 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 the pit of despair, don't, don't just take a snapshot of that. But continue to play the video because that's not the end. If you take a snapshot of Jesus on the cross, He looks like a failure. It looks like everything He came to do has come to nothing and yet it was not the end. And so don't let people take a snapshot of your life. People are very quick to judge. People are very quick to put something on you when you are going through a tough time. And every one of us goes through tough times. You can't avoid it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're out of the will of God. Look at Job. Job was a man of God. He did the things that were right. 
And the devil came to test him and to tempt him. And certain things began to be stripped off Job until it was just him lying in bed with all these sores. And he had three friends who were accusing him. It's amazing. The three friends that were there weren't encouraging him, but they were accusing him and asking him what he'd done wrong. And Job hadn't done anything wrong. And they're taking a snapshot of that moment. But if you just play the film and see Job's life and how it turns out, he turned out it turned out for him that he was a man who was doubly blessed. And so no matter what you are going through, don't allow that moment to define who you are and the rest of your life. It was only as the disciples gained understanding after the resurrection that hope began to flow Again, many of us will come to an end in our life, whether it's the end of a marriage, end of a job, end of a career, end of something. And unfortunately, many people never get over that and they live like their life is over. And they put their life on hold. And their life becomes like Groundhog Day. Now, if you've seen that film, but it's about a man who just repeats the same day over and over and over again. And I would hate for us to enter 2015 and just relive 2014. And so I want to share some thoughts this morning that can position us to embrace 2015 with both hands and grab it by the scruff of the neck and move forward. You see, all successful people have one thing in common. They have a number of things in common. But one thing that always stands out to me is that they are people that never give up. They just never give up. And I want to encourage you this morning not to give up. Look at three things very quickly this morning. And then we're going to just sing some more, pray some more and have some coffee. How does that sound? Fantastic. Okay, so what do we need to do? In order for us to grab 2015 by the scruff of the neck and move forward. Number one, we need to look to our future. We need to look to our future. Turn to the person next to you and say, look to your future. future. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, this is Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who went through great trials and great tribulations. He went through many hardships. He was beaten with rods. He was beaten with whips. He had stones thrown at him to the point where he was nearly dead. This was a man who was imprisoned. This was a man who lost friends. This was a man who was falsely accused. And he says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. I mean, I think about a man who's been through all of that and for him to say this, there's something he's onto that many of us are not onto. Is there anyone here who's been whipped five times? Is there anyone here who's been beaten with rods? Is there anyone here who's been stoned? Yes, there are. But of course, that'd be a whole nother thing. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My question for you this morning is simply this, what are you looking at? Are you looking at your past or are you looking at your future? Truly, what are you looking at this morning? You see, as a church leader of a great church called Victory Church, I thank God for the last 20 years. I am grateful for the things that God has done in my life and through my life and and in this church and through this church. I'm grateful. And it was fantastic that in 2014, we got to celebrate the good things that God has done over the last 20 years. I thank God for that. I am truly grateful. I really am. But I can't lead a church just looking back. I can't lead a church into its next 20 years just by talking about the last 20 years. And you can't lead your life moving forward just looking back. You know, every time we get into a car, it's like a metaphor. Because just in front of us is two things. One is a big windshield. The other is a rear vision mirror. One is much bigger than the other. And one, you look at more than the other. See, a windscreen is meant to look through forward. And every now and then, we just take a glimpse at what's behind us. There's nothing wrong with looking back. As long as it's not too big and too long. When you start looking too big and too long at your past, it will shipwreck your future. And unfortunately, there are many people who are moving into 2015, but really it's going to be a repeat of 2014 because they're not looking to the future, they're looking back. And so they go into a new year with the same fears and the same hurts and the same bitterness and the same concerns that they had in 2014 and wonder why 2015 is going to be no different. See, if we have hurts, based upon what happened to us as a kid, if we have hurts based upon what we saw our mum and dad doing, and then we project that onto our uh, relationships, it's going to hinder those relationships. There are some people today that are so afraid of commitment, they're so afraid of marriage, and that comes from a place, and it's usually a place in their past. And so they embrace a new year, but they're not going to commit because they're still living in the past. And they're not going to get married and settle down and have children because that doesn't work because of what happened to them in the past. Instead of forging a new future forward, where are you looking? Are you looking in the past or are you looking to the future? You can't do life without making some mistakes. You can't do life without some regrets. You can't do life without some pain. But all of those things can serve as a purpose to move us forward and make us better. I was talking to a young man last night and he was asking me about a situation at his work and that he hasn't been treated very well by his boss. And so he was just thinking of just not going into work. And to be honest, based upon what I know of the boss, the boss would be deserving of that. But I said to him, I said, let's go for a win-win. I said, if this was just about you getting a new job, then that's all you need to do. But I have a fascination and a desire and I feel a great responsibility to help people grow. 
And I said, how about instead of just not showing up or putting the obligatory text out and say, I won't be in boss. How about you man up and face him and tell him your concerns and tell him why you don't feel comfortable working here anymore. It probably won't change him at all. He'll probably laugh you off the face of the planet. It doesn't matter. But what it will do, it will grow you at the same time. And so I said, so if you're asking me what I think you should do, I think you should man up. I think you should face that guy. And I think you should tell him your concerns. And I think you should tell him what you're going to do. And if he doesn't do anything with it, it's irrelevant. He probably won't change. But if he does, it's a win. But if he doesn't, you will grow. So that's a win. See, our life is not about trying to control and manipulate and change others. At the end of the day, we're only responsible for our own lives. And I woke up this morning knowing that this would be the best day of my life. You know why? Because I made a decision that this was going to be the best day of my life. And nobody can determine whether I have the best day of my life other than me. You know what I like about the fact that I've been leading the same church for 20 years? It's not just the fact that I've been leading the same church for 20 years. It's the fact that I'm still excited about it. That I'm not burnt out and bitter and twisted and doing church for that long. There's plenty of opportunity to end up like that. The statistics tell me that. This is an anomaly. Having a pastor leading the same church for this period of time. It's not normal. But I never considered myself normal. That was your moment to say amen. You don't want to be normal. What do you want to be normal for? Be like everybody else. I mean, come on. We can shape and fashion our future under God by not just trying to be like everybody else. But again, we were so worried about what people think. And we take that. If you're worried about what people think in 2014 and don't deal with that, you'll take that into your 2015. If you're so concerned about what everyone's saying about you and thinking about you, you'll never have the 2015 that you could have. Jesus was most misunderstood. Can you imagine Jesus on the cross in His moment of need? He's told Him, guys, I'm going to die. P.S. I will be back. Keep calm, carry on. That was the original, keep calm, carry on. And Jesus on the cross, He's dealing with all the pain that He's going through on a personal level, on a physical level. Then He has to look at His disciples who are totally dismayed. There is zero faith. He's looking at the ones He loved and there's zero faith. That's got to break His heart. And yet He continues to stay on course. He says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. See, at that moment, nobody can shape Jesus' destiny other than Jesus. And no one can shape yours other than you. People complaining about their bosses, people complaining about their pastors, people complaining about their husbands, people complaining about their wives, people complaining about their kids, people complaining about their teacher, their year three teacher, their year four teacher. I had this horrible upbringing. I had this horrible experience. Yes, that's all true. But it's got nothing to do with how you live your life. Because God gave us free will. He gave us ability to choose. I'll be forever grateful for my upbringing. I feel most blessed. 
I feel I grew up in, in an incredible home, in an incredible faith-filled Christian environment. I do. I feel very privileged. I feel very blessed in the home that I grew up in. And I don't say that to rub your nose in it if you did not grow up in a similar environment. But this I know. You can learn from a good environment and you can also learn from a bad environment. See, the amazing thing about my upbringing was that my dad, who created for the most part that environment, he never had that environment in his upbringing. My granddad, I never met him, but he, he liked to drink or two or ten. And, and that had consequences in the family. And my dad as a young boy saw that. And if he was just led to believe what most people are led to believe, he would then be an alcoholic himself and then be bringing that into my world. But dad saw something about that that he didn't like and thought, I'm not going to do that. So you can learn from a bad model. You can learn from a wrong model. You can learn from a disgusting model. You can learn from something you don't like. And so instead of just blaming his dad for how things have turned out in his life, he decided to change it. It's not hard because we have the power of choice. We can choose. But what are you going to look at? You're going to blame your grade three teacher for the rest of your life? You're going to blame that certain person for the rest of your life? Well, we can learn from it. Are you looking at the past? Are you looking at the future? Are you looking at the good or are you looking at the bad? The Bible says that we need to hold on to the good. It's amazing to me. Just a simple little verse found in 1 Thessalonians there, chapter 5. Hold on to the good. I think, why is that in there? Because it's really hard to do. And we need to be reminded of it. It doesn't say hold on to the bad. Have you noticed how easy it is for us to hold on to the bad? Have you noticed that? If I say, I love you, we're waiting for the but. We're just conditioned for the negative. One of the things I've found as a pastor really hard to do is encourage people. Not because I am not an encourager, but because there are very few receivers of encouragement. People are not great at receiving encouragement and then wonder why they feel not encouraged. It's an amazing thing to me. A few people nodding. I'm not looking at anybody, just not looking. I'm not crystal, I'm not. I'm just looking straight ahead. But it never ceases to amaze me. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say something, say something encouraging, say something nice, say something beautiful, say something profound to the person next to you. You'll be able to tweet today on social media, receive some encouragement today, hashtag awkward. 
Seriously. We're not good at holding on to the good. We've got to hold on to the good. And if there's no one telling you there's something good, you've got to hold on to it. You know, just because something is sad doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. Just because it's a sad thing doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. And people that are driven and led by their emotions and feelings struggle to understand that. I've been around long enough and doing church long enough to experience a lot of sad moments. But I've also been through them enough to know that a lot of those sad moments weren't bad at all. They're actually good. Just because it's a sad thing doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. The first time I heard someone say that, he was talking in the context of losing his 27-year-old son. No one wants that. And he said he was sad, but it's worked out for good. What possesses a man to be able to think like that? One is looking to the future. There were tears, there was emotion, there were feelings, but there was a forward thinking and a forward vision and a forward momentum bringing the balance to that sad thing. And I don't know what sad things you've experienced this year. But hang around long enough and you'll probably find a lot of that sad wasn't that bad after all. Number two, firstly, you've got to look to your future. Secondly, we've got to speak to your future. See, words are powerful. God created all that we see with His Word. Words are powerful. Words can create. In the beginning, God said, let there be. And whatever He said was. And we were created in His image, which makes us like God in some way. And we have a way of creating our own world. Have you noticed that? Nobody loves me. You can create a world where nobody loves you just by saying those words. Everybody hates me. And all of a sudden you create a world where you think everyone hates you. It doesn't have to be true, but it's true for you. And that makes it true. And we start speaking our world into existence. And we start getting smaller and smaller and smaller in our thinking. He doesn't like me. They treat me badly. The moment you start speaking those things, they become your reality. Because words are powerful. God said, let there be an animal with a long neck, big brown spots on it, long gangly legs. And when he goes to drink, he's going to go like this. And it was. And Adam came along and called it a giraffe. It's so cool. Words are powerful. And if it's true that we can create a negative world, then we can create a positive world. Someone handed me a tank top, much in keeping with the same theme, said, keep calm and be awesome. I wear that shirt often. Says you got to speak to your future. You've got to speak to yourself. 
In Psalm 23, verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is David just saying, declaring the truth. I don't know if you've read the end of the Bible, but it says we win. Yeah. <laughs> it says we win. That's worth holding on to. That's worth going one more day for. We win. Spoiler alert, we win. For those of you who are getting to the end of your Bible reading, I just realized, I, spoiler alert, you just, some of you are sitting there getting to the end of the year. I'm about to finish reading my whole Bible in the year. It's awesome, just getting to the end. And I've just gone and spoiled the ending. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And with that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. We speak what we believe. What are you believing? What are you speaking? What are you believing for next year? See, we need to speak to ourselves and stop letting ourselves speak to us. And there is a big difference. This is what yourself will say to you. You're no good. You failed. And you have to say to yourself, that's not true. There's a difference between speaking to yourself and yourself speaking to you. And we've got to be people that know how to speak to ourselves and speak to our circumstances and speak to our situations. Because it's that same spirit of faith that we speak. Abraham in Acts chapter, uh, Romans chapter 4, it says that Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. See, genuine faith can do that. But he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. He goes on to say that he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Are you convinced that God has the power to do what he promised? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You can start speaking what God has spoken over our lives and not what everyone else is saying. And so we need to face the facts. I, I messed up. Could have done that better. This wasn't my best year. But I've learned from it. I'm a better person. And next year is going to be different. It's, we can all do that. So we've got to speak to our future. And number three, as a band come up, we need to commit to our future. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to make decisions in keeping with our future, in spite of opposition. We need to make decisions whereby we continue to stay on track in our relationship with God. That means reading the Bible, that means getting to church, that means praying, that means forgiving, that means loving. You know, if I decided as a young man to become a doctor and I got into the university that I needed to and that involved getting on a bus, I would have to get on the right bus. But my decision about my future would do already make up the decision for me as to which bus I get on. Yeah, very good. I don't have to think, oh, which bus should I get on? 
no, no, I just get on the bus. It takes me to the university that I need to go to. I thought God was going to speak for a minute there. I just... I don't have to pray about and think about what bus to get on. I need one that gets me into town. Preferably the shortest possible way. But anything that takes me out to Elizabeth is not going to get me there. Might get me killed, but it won't get me to university. Because of my future decision, a lot of the other decisions are taken care of. Because I still want to be serving God with a smile on my face. 20 years from now, it's, it's already made a lot of... I'll tell you where I'm going to be tomorrow morning. The first thing I do when I get up, I'll make a black coffee. I'll let the dog out. He'll do his business. And I'll be there with my coffee, reading my Bible. Even our dog knows this. He'll sit there watching me read, watching Kath read. Because he knows after that we go for a walk. While I've got my iPad on my lap, he doesn't bother me. The moment I put it down, he's like, <laughs> he knows that means walk time. But until then, he's like, he's going to read his Bible. So he opens up his little doggy Bible too. <laughs> our dog is certainly not saved, I can promise that. When we get to heaven, our dog will not be there. There's a special place for dogs like ours. But we love him. Makes a decision for us. Imagine I've made my decision. I'm going to go to university to become a doctor. And so I know the bus to get on. But let's just say a bad thing happens. On the bus, I get picked on and I get bullied. Is that bullying going to stop me getting on the same bus to fulfill my future? I may need to make some changes. I may need to do some things. But I'm going to still get there. Don't let the bullies, don't let the things that get in your way stop you fulfilling what your future holds. If the bus gets a flat tyre and you're late for university and you miss your lecture, does that mean you've just got to give up now? Can you imagine halfway through a degree, ah, I tried that. Got a flat tyre. It's the ridiculous little stories, aren't they? But people are giving up on far more than that, over far less than that. People come to church, give their life to Jesus and fall in the wonder and love of Him. Only a year from now to have someone ignore them in church and they never come again because somebody didn't speak to them. Wow, really? Well, I, I feel like looking at that person and saying, well, I'm going to be the second person to ignore you and just walk off. Like, it's just like, it's ridiculous. You've got to commit to your future. But I don't feel like it. Feelings come and feelings go. It's like anything that's worthwhile in life. You're not always going to feel like doing it. Anyone who's good at whatever they do didn't always feel like doing it. 
just very practically to help us commit, to help us stay on track. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, it says in Proverbs 4, verse 23. It's the wellspring of life. Don't get cynical. Don't get critical. Don't get bitter. Hold on to the good. Lots of great things. Lots of great things. Adelaide's a beautiful place. Isn't it? It's beautiful. It may not be Queensland. It may not be Sydney. It may not be Melbourne. It may not be New York or London or Paris. But you know what? If you don't have a change of attitude, you can go to all those places, but you still take you with you. Can I, can I say, let's, let's not make it about, let's not make 2015 about changing your location, changing, let's make it about changing you. Secondly, stay sharp. Ecclesiastes 10.10, if the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Stay sharp. And thirdly, just fellowship up. This little phrase I've coined over the years now, just fellowship up. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of faith to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Who are you hanging with? What are you listening to? If you don't have someone in your life when you're chatting and they say, shut up. You're whinging. It makes me sick. If you don't have someone like that in your world, I would say 2015, find that person. We all need someone like that. We do. What we've got plenty of is people who listen to you face to face and go, uh huh, mm hmm, uh, yep. Did you hear him? Ditch some of those friends this year and get some people in your life that can help hold you so we don't give up. I think for me, as I look back over my life, the thing I've been blessed with most is having the right people in my life at the right time. Those people who could hold me, help me, speak the truth. I never forget when we uh, found out about our unborn child, Mitchie, at the 18 week mark. I went to three people that I knew would hold me. They wouldn't give me what I wanted to hear. And that was a pastor friend of mine who was in the city at, the same, at that time. It was my dad and it was my brother, Pete. That's all I told, three people. And I told them with one purpose in mind, to help me stay committed and focused to the job at hand. Not to worry about things that may not ever happen. P.S. 90% of all we worry about doesn't even happen. Yeah. If you ever worried about that, you, you worry and then it, nothing happened. And during that time, I said, if I ever drop my head, you have permission to kick my backside. And thankfully, I didn't have to kick my backside. Just knowing they were there as a safety net kind of kept me away from that. Do you have the right people in your world? Stop watching the wrong people, listening to the wrong voices and entertaining the wrong thoughts. 
We're talking about a new year coming up. I don't know what your 2014 was like. But I believe that 2015 can be your best year ever. I know this to be true for me. 2015 will be my best year ever. It'll be the best year for the church. I've already decided that. That doesn't mean bad things won't happen. It doesn't mean sad things won't happen. It just means it's already going to be our best year ever. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 